Good morning, I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the October 18th, 2022 edition of Ask a Leader. Voters around the country, California included, are beginning to vote. The elect project Monday posted over 2 million votes already been cast. Here, my muted FCC appropriate joy. And for all those flyers just decorating my future woman cave with them, ha, you'll figure out what to do with them, folks. Continuing our coverage of down ticket races in the Irvine area, we'll hear from Brian Deck, candidate for trustee area six of the South Orange County Community College District. In the second segment, Army Reserve Officer and Chaplain Simon Moon will speak about his bid for the mayor of Irvine. And we've got time. I'm sure we're going to get a little time at the end. Playwright Christina Hamm is going to talk about the current run of her play, Nina Simone, for women at the South Coast Red. We'll be right back. My first guest is Ryan Dack, an Irvine resident currently teaching in Laguna Beach Unified's Thurston Middle School, and he's a candidate running for the governing board member, Area 6, the seven-member board of South Orange County Community College District, this area representing the Great Park, Northwood Spectrum neighborhoods in Irvine, and Lake Forest. All community college district races are nonpartisan. This is his second bid. It's an open seat. Opposing him is Pramod Kunju. I'm offering the briefest of introductions, availing us more time to get acquainted with another candidate down ballot. A product of San Clemente in Orange County, Ryan Dack has been a substitute teacher in hundreds, he says, of classrooms in schools from Irvine to San Clemente. He completed his bachelor's degree in political science at San Francisco State University and his master's degree in education from the University of California, Irvine. He comes to us today from his home in the city of Irvine. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Ryan Dack. Well, it is uh, always great to talk to you. Uh, I've Again, uh, as you mentioned last time I was on, I was also a KUCI DJ for a quarter at UCI, so it's always great to be back here. Well, thank you. Well, first, tell us, Ryan Deck, what are your priorities serving on this college board? Uh, I have a lot of priorities when it comes to what my seat will do on the college board. I think one of the most important uh, elements to who fills this seat is going to be it's going to have to do with affordable housing on our uh, community campuses so for those of you the those of you who are not familiar orange coast college does have on-campus housing for their community college district uh, occ um, but south orange county community college schools that be saddleback and ivc do not um, and currently the board is investigating um, what that might look like on ivc's campus or saddleback's campus uh, I just was listening to our interview back in 2020, and you had brought up how enrollment had dipped, and I had the hope that it would actually kind of jump back up after COVID. Um, that hasn't actually been the case, and I think one of the reasons for that might be the uh, rising cost of living here in South Orange County. If you are someone who um, is you know, independent from your parents and you are trying to get a college education and starting at a local community college here in South Orange County and you have a job, um, 
the housing market and the rental market is not exactly going to be your friend. So uh, members on the board are investigating uh, ways to kind of make that more of a reality for the students who need to find housing. Uh, I feel like I am going to be a pivotal vote on that board if elected. Uh, we do have uh, a number of people who are advocates for affordable housing, but uh, you never do know how things are going to shake up. So that I would say that would be my top priority. Other priorities I have uh, includes ensuring that students can graduate in two years to go and transfer to those UC schools and campus safety. Um, as we've unfortunately kind of witnessed a lot of uh, violence on college campuses when it comes to, um, uh, I guess, students who have weapons on campus. Well. So the affordable housing, has this already, I'm sorry, I'm not privy to agendas on the community college board. Has this already been a topic that is, it's moving through so that the agenda is getting attention, it's getting traction in ways of solving it and potential blocks of areas where this might be provided? institutions like housing, some kind of housing trust or something. So let me, I'll try to break it down really simply. Uh, there was a firm hired to investigate what the costs and benefits and possibly the negatives would be of building housing on campus. Um, and then when they came up with their final report, um, the report said that the housing, with, with all this research, the housing plans that they would put forward would have the on-campus housing be at market rates. And a few of the board members thought that, well, why are we doing this if it's not going to be actually affordable for students to live on campus, right? If I wanted to find a marketplace or a market uh, price rental unit, I could just go on Zillow. Um, so they kind of asked that company to reassess with affordability in mind. Um, and I assume that this firm looked at it without that affordability option as the priority because uh, OCC had done something similar where the housing is not, I wouldn't say it's qualified as affordable, but more in line with uh, market rate housing. So that process is kind of getting restarted and rebooted. I don't think that there's going to be a vote on this before whoever wins the seat is sworn in in December. Um, so the person who's on the board come December uh, is going to be pivotal in shaping how that turns out. And I guess it's a different kind of a financial structure with, let's say, endowments. Four-year institutions have graduates that can endow certain kinds of projects, and it's, it just doesn't work that way for community colleges. So there's a structural kind of a, a limit to how you can think about getting alumni to come and build some of those kinds of important pieces of a campus. That's exactly right. Uh, when I was talking to other board members about uh, possible funding uh, revenue sources and just other people who have or stakeholders in the community, they suggested that maybe applying for some state grants would be able to drop that uh, market rate price down to where it'd be affordable. Um, so that's that's one option that is going to be investigated by this firm. Uh, those release those findings will be released publicly when that surveys concluded um and I'm, I'm not sure exactly when that will be but i know it will be it will probably be after the november election if you've just joined us my guest is ryan dack an irvine resident currently teaching in laguna beach unified school district and he's a candidate running for the governing board 
of the South Orange County Community College District Area 6, this area representing the Great Park, Northwood Spectrum Neighborhoods in Irvine, and Lake Forest. Well, I also, when you were talking about that we covered two years ago, the decline in the population, last week, when there was a very special event where President Biden appeared at the Irvine Valley College community campus, that I, I was talking with some faculty and I decided I wanted to ask you about what, Ryan Dack, do you see, what do you envision our ways of continuing to reopen the community college campuses that there's all, there's in-person, there's hybrid curriculums, there's all kinds of protocols changing and all that adapting. What are the assumptions you have toward safely continuing to reopen as the pandemic isn't gone. So uh, what do you envision? So I think that education in K through 12 is very different from higher education. Uh, when it came to education outcomes for K through 12 students, I, I know this just as a teacher, um, distance education was really detrimental to developing uh, students' social socially and educationally, just, just because of how young they are. But as you get older, those uh, negative impacts kind of decrease to the point where once we are dealing with students who are older than 18, I think that having a variety of options to learn, um, I don't know, I, get, I think it can only be beneficial. I'm not sure if the hybrid model is gonna be as applicable, but I do think that expanding current online course offerings would be a great option for students who still might be COVID cautious, um, or for those that just might be uh, too busy in their lives to be able to make that commute to IVC and Saddleback. One of the funny things is we have such a large uh, area. It's from Tustin all the way to San Clemente. Uh, if you're in San Clemente, like where I grew up, and you wanted to go to Saddleback College, uh, that's not that's not a short commute. You got to go on the five for at least you know 15 20 minutes and then good luck finding parking so i think having an expended course uh, offering that includes more online courses for some core classes uh, i think that might be a good idea to kind of treat all students uh, with where they're looking to go and where they are currently at so also my checking in with faculty dealing in higher education that there is a palpable drop-off, Ryan Dack, of the, the, the actual, the firepower the students are bringing to the classroom. I think that reverberation is also reaching you. I wanna know how do you envision addressing that drop-off? It's real. Yeah, um, so, as I've mentioned uh, in the last question, just COVID has had such a negative impact on education outcomes. Uh, I'm not sure of what exactly that solution would be. I do want to try to negate those factors, though. I've, I've seen it just um, when it comes to, you know, I'm at a middle school, when it comes to behavior, when it comes to attention, when it comes to, you know, being organized when you have students who've just been at home and were kind of left to their own devices in some regards to their education, you know, when we have students that are really young, they're not really able to adapt and make those changes that are needed where they might be able to in a classroom environment. So it's had a negative impact on all students. I wouldn't know, and I wouldn't want to speculate on how to solve those issues. Um, I would 
probably want to leave that up to the education experts because uh, I don't know. I think they know what they're doing when they're researching this stuff. So, and I would definitely like to get some suggestions. Okay. Cause it's, it's, it's everywhere. I look to higher education professionals. And so um, it's, it's also showing up in the careerists post their college education. So it's a, a pretty, it's, it's, a, it's a daunting mounting challenge. I, it's hard for me to put the words in it because of we, we don't fully know how much of an impact it's had. So um, so it looks like you're going to be working, uh, talking with faculty, spending oh, yeah. time with them. I mean, one of the big changes from this election uh, from the last one is that I've got the faculty association. They put me through the ringer. They asked me a bunch of questions on my values uh, and my interest in running for the seat. So they, at the end of the day, gave me the endorsement. So I, I'd be happy to work closely with faculty. Um, the association has supported me and uh, I would love to hear what their thoughts and suggestions are uh, when it comes to solving these issues. So what other kinds of things are you learning from voters? residents, students. So what I would say is I've, I went canvassing over the weekend and uh, I had quite a few people and I, I mentioned it um, as my priority. This was before I even talked to these uh, voters while canvassing. One of their big concerns on these campuses is safety. And it's not just from gun violence uh, because fortunately we haven't really had that occur here in South Orange County. But um, just when it comes to even being able to walk around on campus, right? Sometimes these classes run late and sometimes um, students might feel unsafe based on what other students are saying to them. So uh, maybe it could be sexually aggressive or uh, something along those terms. So I really do wanna take that issue seriously. I feel like uh, from what I've heard from voters, when they contacted the authorities, and in this case it would be campus security, they kind of just waved them off and didn't really do anything. And I really do want to change that culture. Uh, if someone is not feeling safe on our campuses, I, I think that's a really big deal. This should be a place where people focus on their academics and shouldn't have to worry about being catcalled or fearing for their safety. It seems like that kind of problem is a, a downstream problem. Upstream it is. is there's um, a society, a fractured society that a portion of which is arming to the teeth. So um, I guess I, I just wanna recognize how daunting that challenge is. Anything else you're learning from, uh, anything else? Well, let's see. Uh, while I was canvassing, I did have some uh, voters ask about just being able to, and again, just, you know, my priorities come from the real experiences I hear from people. Uh, and I, as I mentioned in 2020, I had a lot of voters reach out to me during that campaign and tell me what their concerns and thoughts were regarding the community college campuses. And honestly, being able to get the classes they need, being able to get through the programs they want if they are going to go into a career technical program, uh, being able to get those classes uh, and be affordable and be able to, you know, go to school and afford it at the same time, you know, a very, very high priority for all students who are going to school right now at IVC or at Saddleback. So Ryan Dak, how are you getting voters to vote down ticket and how can people get, we've got our ballots out, but um, how can people get more acquainted with you? So I've been doing some events um, this last weekend. I went to a canvassing event with uh, Katie Porter and other Irvine uh, candidates, uh, namely Kathleen Traceder 
and Katie McEwen, who's running for Irvine Unified School District's um, board of education or school board. Uh, so I've been meeting with them and I've been able to talk to canvassers and uh, I've been canvassing with them as well. So I, I really do try to do these events to be able to get to see voters. And 2020, it was more just kind of digital things, kind of really hard to make that connection. But uh, I'm doing I'm doing the whole outreach thing right now. And it's it's been really rewarding being able to talk to voters, being able to talk to canvassers who have other priorities than maybe just your average voter and being able to hear from all different sorts of people. Um, one of the other things I'm trying to really do is just be accessible. If you have a question for me about anything regarding Irvine Valley College or Saddleback, um, I offer, uh, I, I would ask you to send me an email. Uh, you can go onto my website, ryandack.com. I have a contact form. You can enter in your information, send me an email. I'll try to get back within 24 hours. You can reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, the whole slate of things. And uh, I do try to respond to people who have questions or concerns um, because I don't know, I just want to be available. And uh, I want people to know that the people that are running for this office, they're not just doing it for, well, at least I'm not just doing it for some sort of, you know, ego boost. I really do care about these issues. And uh, I feel like I'm competent enough to answer any questions and really be there and want to listen to what your concerns are and, and respond to them. So is it kosher to, camp to campaign right on the campuses? Uh, not particularly. So I've not been doing any campaigning on campuses. I do have, if I remember correctly, I do have some yard signs around there, but no, I, I don't believe that I can campaign on campuses. Because that's, I mean, it's not like a, we know that the Hatch Act prevents federal employees to be involved in campaigns, but I'm just wondering, like, that's your constituency, though, are the people that are eligible to vote that are consuming the services on those campuses. So, but that is, there is a strict law, a rule. You can't. Does yes. That that uh, okay. my, my understanding is that uh, you cannot conduct campaign activities on the college campuses if you are running for college board. And it's it's kind of similar um, for actually K through 12. If you are a teacher in, say, Irvine Unified, uh, if you do get elected to the board, uh, you can't conduct campaign activities on campus. And then if you do get elected to the board, you cannot uh, maintain your uh, status of employment in that district because there'd be a conflict of interest. Okay. So, and again, how are you getting people to vote down ticket? Uh, just talking to them, you know, making, having, having, if you want to go look at the list of things on your ballot, we've got governor all the way to city council, pretty much all of these offices, maybe judicial might be, uh, you have a little bit of leeway on that, but uh, pretty much all these offices are going to impact your life in some manner or another. So Secretary of State, they deal with how elections are run. Governor obviously signs or vetoes legislation. City Council decides issues in your local community. Uh, school board for uh, K through 12 is going to impact you or, uh, or your kids or maybe a family member's kids. But for community college, you know, not everybody goes to community college. Not everyone even knows much about community college. One of the great things about this last weekend actually was that uh, President Biden came to IVC and, uh, you know, wasn't explicitly to talk about community college issues, but I guarantee you that more people became aware of what IVC was and where it is in relation to even just on a map, right? It's in Irvine, uh, has president speaking at it. So kind of raises that profile a little bit. So um, I'm hopeful that 
people do take an interest in their community colleges. It's not going to affect everyone in the same way that a city council might, but it is still important to have competent leadership at these levels. Um, and not to say that this is something I want to do, but sometimes people who come onto this board end up uh, somewhere else in politics later on. Uh, a great example of this would be Don Wagner. He's now the uh, member of the Board of Supervisors. He started uh, on this board. So um, it's really important to take note of who's running for these positions, what their priorities are. Are they using it as a stepping stone to higher office or do they actually care about education issues? Well, Ryan, this is such a pleasure to be able to break this down with you today. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for running for office. Of course. You know, I always love being on KUCI. So thank you for having me. My guest was Ryan Dack, Irvine resident, currently teaching in Laguna Beach Unified school district, and he's a candidate running for the governing board, area six of the South Orange County Community College District, this area representing the Great Park, Northwood Spectrum neighborhoods in Irvine and the city of Lake Forest. There is a continuation of this interview where Ryan Dack will break down the legacy of the redistricting and the no longer at-large districts for the Community College District in Orange County. We'll be right back with Irvine mayoral candidate Simon Moon. Just a short shake. Don't go away. Thank you for staying tuned, everybody. My next guest is mayoral candidate Simon Moon. He is currently a U.S. Army Reserve Chaplain, and he was formerly a pastor at Irvine's Onuri Church. The Onuri Church is one of South Korea's largest Presbyterian churches, and uh, he, Simon Moon, is one of four candidates challenging the incumbent Mayor Farrakhan. She'll be on November 1st, and I'm getting other mayoral candidates. I've already heard from, we've heard from some. Simon Moon completed his bachelor's degree in political science at the University of Arizona and his master's degree from the Ilif or Ilif School of Theology in Denver, Colorado. He comes today uh, to us from Irvine. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Simon Moon. Yes, I'm here. Well, here I am. Here we are. Yes. Okay. I've already introduced you, and I, okay. um, I usually have a great more to go on when I introduce mayoral candidates, but the, the thing is, uh, it's very hard to find out more about a mayor running for uh, the city of Irvine. So I'd like, what is it that would make you want to become mayor? What work have you undertaken that brings you to run for this civic position? Yes. Um, as you, uh, thank you for the good introduction. My name is Simon Moronic Irvine Mayor. And as I mentioned, I'm a pastor of Irvine Only Church and uh, serving in the Army Reserve as a chaplain. Uh, I'm running because I believe it's time for change. Uh, we, as we know, Irvine is one of the top cities in our country. And for our park system and good environments, street, clean street and excellent schools and uh, education opportunities, yes. However, crime is on the rise with expanded development, causing excessive traffic. Then 
our residents are annoying because of the overdevelopment and excessive traffic. And as a mayor, I am committed to a strong public safety in our community. And also, I work for uh, fiscal responsibility with no new taxes. And we should honor our veterans. And I want to work for uh, controlling overdevelopment and ensuring we have a transparency at City Hall. So um, my first duty is serve and protect our residents while we're protecting our value and our rights uh, while we're paying taxes for all this happening. So I'm going to bring back those benefits to our residents, uh, which they already have paid for. Well, I've heard, I hear some very general phrases, and I have been interviewing city candidates for over the last 12 years, and they bring they bring with them the priorities that they want, what sorts of things they've served on, what they've done, what they've built before. And I think our listeners are really interested in hearing the your experience with building civic institutions or what what institutions you want to to build yourself. Uh, what's that you know particular vision? The problem is um, our current um, the city council. I don't believe they represent our value and our uh, priority in their uh, council. And we have to uh, input our voices, our benefits, and our uh, responsibility to them. Then it should be more transparent and should be open government. Now, every city council meeting, uh, we have the uh, speakers from our residents, but time is short and they don't listen much, and their decision is going fast, um, then we have to bring more our voices to our city council. And also, um, all, we have to prioritize our budget to focus on our municipal issues, not spending all other issues. Now, we have so many issues regarding OCP aid and all American And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that because there's a number of agenda items that I would like to go over with you. But I, I okay. so we'll, we'll talk about that. But continue what you were saying, please. All right. So just rebuild and restore our quality of life to our city and restoring transparency, accountability uh, at our city hall. That's my main concern as a... Um, Organ minister, I'll bring more integrity than ethics in our city hall. And also, uh, as a military officer, I want to bring all these matters, complicated matters, uh, ba- then make a decision based on our value, then honor our veterans who had fought for our freedom and liberty. And just want to be like an all-American city, not based on their interests or their own namesake. I just want to work for our residents and restore our quality of life. Well, I you bring up the pastoral call, the background and the the reservist chaplain positions, and so it's. I am really concerned about hearing from you where that there's a different muscle in terms of civic organizations getting business done, and I'm trying to find out if there's a a transition. If there is a stepping stone in the work you've done, because I, it's so hard to find out about you. And so I want to know, because it's a, 
it's a whole different other set of institutions. So perhaps you could tell us how you bridge those. It's uh, We know you're a concerned citizen, but the actual kind of mechanization of civic groups and institutions, how do you uh, show us, demonstrate that you've been involved and you're making that transition? Yeah, it is um, uh, very interesting because when we see all the election cycles and all the um, similar uh, candidates and work and get elected and make changes and make the decisions, but it, it makes the same outcomes and not kind of innovative. It's kind of, we, we feel like a disappointing some point. And as a pastor, we do ministering our um, uh, congregation, but also as a uh, community outreach pastor, I've been working with our local community organizations and nonprofit organizations and public sector um, to bring uh, more resilience and more value to our residents. It's been 10 years now. And also Army Reserve Chaplain, I've been um, closely working with our um, the residents around the all around the Orange County and overseas uh, to prioritize our value, to prioritize our task to accomplish that mission. So it's all about the relationship and the um, bringing all the uh, work, the values to our city hall as a community outreach pastor who've been working with all the uh, Irvine residents and organizations, and also as an uh, officer to prioritize um, the ads uh, based on our value to accomplish our mission. For those of you who've just tuned in, my guest is Irvine mayoral candidate Simon Moon. He was formerly a pastor of Irvine's Onuri Church, and I'm hoping, how do I pronounce that, Mr. Moon? That, that's good. Okay. You know, you're perfect. Well, I don't know. <laughs> perfect is a... And he's currently a U.S. Army Reserve Officer Chaplain. He is one of four candidates challenging the incumbent Mayor Farah Khan. So you mentioned the Orange County Power Authority. So there are many institutions and goals wrapped into that. What is your familiarity, your involvement, Mr. Moon, with the climate action plan, the common, the community choice energy that's trying to set the goals so that our successors have the plan in a better shape. How? What's your connection and your involvement with all those institutions on the lead up to creating the Orange County Power Authority? There are so many concerns. I walk the houses uh, almost hundred doors and amid our residents, they have same concerns and. I, I haven't heard about the, uh, the positive inputs about uh, the OCPA. Um, we, as a church and as a community outreach pastor, we've been uh, working with our um, the nearby organizations, nonprofit organizations, to work for uh, the climate action changes and plant the trees and having a workshop to uh, spread the information to our residents and hand out the brochures, what we have to do to protect our planet, and all kind of stuff. We have to start from the lower, the lowest level. Then also we've been uh, involving to uh, teach our uh, little kids in our school to uh, educate them how it is important to protect our planet. And I have three children and also uh, in, involving their school, school classrooms that is um, necessary to make a uh, critical uh, change in our city. 
So uh, climate action plan is uh, not closely related to our city-level government, but still I support the continuing cities of 2016 non-toxic pesticide program using the only organic sprays in our open spaces and our green belts and city parks for weed abatement, something like that. So I've been working with all our um, city-level and the residents-related issues um, as a pastor, then I believe the education is necessary, uh, critical, to uh, improve uh, about the climate. You have, uh, on your website, you've talked about uh, advising people to opt out of any of the of the options, but to stay with the opt up to the the status quo with the Southern California Edison. But I want to know how how are you going to build all the pieces necessary to for Irvine to meet its twenty thirty goals of the zero net uh, zero emissions. Yes, that's correct. Um, that's kind of a you know two two edged sword because um, we have to make sure to bring that. Uh, you know, reach the goal until 2030. Um, but the problem is, as I walk the doors every day, I just hear the complaints, a lot of complaints, because um, they fail to, you know, keep their promise. And there are serious problems in their inexperienced management and lack of transparency. And that's why they, they don't feel like they're, they're paying taxes, but they're not protected or supported by city government. So uh, it's all about the fiscal impact to our city if their uh, business system is not working uh, properly. And now it's, we see, you know, all the um, outcome is uh, negative or positive. So we have to uh, make a decision based on that um, result of audit. Then also we have to work through this process to uh, hit the goal by 2030. So it's kind of, a, you know, both ways, but we have to make a, you know, decision based on our our goal as well as a fiscal responsible uh, for our taxpayers money then bring back the benefit to our taxpayers as they have you know paid for then as promised that's my concern I have so many more questions and about that uh, given your theology and uh, you know the that's at the like hundred thousand foot level and the fiscal impacts at like five five to ten 10-foot levels, but I'm, I'm going to just put that aside and people can consider uh, what we're talking about. So the Great Park is on, was on uh, last week um, on, and the Great Park met. What is your disposition with unraveling that Gordian knot of the, uh, the funding of the, the use of the Melorus funds to pay for improvements inside the Great Park structures itself. How, how do you represent the concerns of the abutting neighbors whose own property tax increment is going into improvements not of their own benefit? As I mentioned earlier, I support the fiscal responsibility and we have to make sure to prioritize our uh, budget spending um, as we know, the great park families are paying um, taxes and without proper you know, retail amenities and develop for the community. So I believe we must insist their um, plan, the local retail services, uh, be under construction in 2023 or as soon as possible. And because it was promised, then additionally, we have to make um, have some budget to 
there's um, something for our next generation. I, I, I would like to support to build a state-of-the-art library, ensuring our residents enjoy the benefit from what they have paid for. Um, they're expanding um, without proper amenities to practice their quality of life. And it's good to have expanded development in their area, but they're paying a lot of taxes and dollars and all the fees. And they they should uh, also receive the benefits, proper benefits from the city, um, what they have paid for. That's my standpoint for Great Park neighborhood. So as we do this lightning round of all the, the the policies before and the agendas before the city council. The broadband contract has sort of been a uh, not very transparent process, and you talk about transparency as a very big concern of yours, mm-hmm. of all of ours. So what is your what is the your position on advancing that broadband contract in a transparent way to bring it out to deal with the monopolistic services that are the status quo in the city of Irvine today, Mr. Moon? Yes, I heard a lot of complaints from our uh, residents when I uh, walk um, every day with uh, for our residents and voters. Then they just complaining why their old town don't have that availability for additional service or the choices options for their um, the connect- connectivity uh, with the broadband and with internet services. I would suggest to have all these um, options that we have to make a decision, and also for our um, older generations, they don't know how to um, make a you know, choice. Uh, if they have more choices, they will love to do that, but they don't know how to do it. So one time I visited a, one you know, border's house, and I just helped them to fix a problem to connect the Internet, and they're asking me uh, what, what other services they have but I just replied that, oh, I know in this um, the village, I, I know that there's only one option. Then as a mayor, if I'm elected, I will work on to uh, bringing more additional available services for our old town residents. And we also have to make more choices, right? Uh, not, it, it doesn't have to be monopolized and we have one, pro, one service provider. We have to bring uh, multiple choices and then the residents can make a choice. Then we will have more funds, secure some more funds for that option. If we make a decision, and I'm going to work with our city council members to make sure we have a variety of choices and options for our residents to uh, have the a lower rate possible, if possible, for their broadband services, and also have more enjoy their lifestyle while we're protecting their quality of life. On to a whole next topic in the interest of time is, I'm asking all of the council and mayoral candidates their position on municipal districts that instead of the at-large city council, I mean, it doesn't affect the mayor. The mayor's always at large. But I'd like to know what your position is on creating municipal council districts and whether you would change it to a larger number on the council. Irvine is a very, um, you know, the, uh, very interesting case because other cities are um, changing or changing to the, um, the district vote. And I do support the district vote. Uh, because um, 
absolutely standing, and we have the most arrests per one city council member based on the data. So we have to make sure um, to uh, listen more carefully, then bring their value to our city council. Then we have to uh, we have to have the you know responsible leader then representative of their uh, area and region. So yes, we should have uh, adopt the uh, district vote system in our city as well, and all then to bring more stronger than better representation of our residents. And each village have their own concerns and based on their history. Some of the uh, residents from uh, Deerfield or Wallet Village, they, they had moved here um, since 1970. Then there were no signals on the Culver Drive. There's only stop signs in the middle of the long way. Then they have their own history. Then they have their own concern, own value, you know, to protect our city much more stronger based on our uh, diversity we have to make sure to have the right person, right representative to protect their value, their interest, their concern. Yes, I do support for that. And would you add the number? There's only that, that right now. Besides the mayor, there's only four council members. Would you add numbers, extra seats? How many? Um, I would say you know four council members too too small, too small. You know, too uh, not not enough to. Um, listen the voices from our residents. We we're spending over three hundred twenty five thousand. So I would say um it should it should be decided um with the um our city council. But also I believe we should have at least six council members, five to six council members to represent our uh, our areas. And also based on the population we also have to uh expand or have more council members, the number of council members to represent our voices. Well, we haven't very much time. I'm, I'm going to try to squeeze in a, a, a non-election uh, electoral topic at the end of the show. I, and I think people are getting a bit of an impression, and that's so very important. I just want to know, how can people follow you, and how are you getting people to, to get active down ticket? It's a real hard question to ask, and uh, mm-hmm. Most of all, all of my guests have a, a difficult time because it, it's a hard sell with so much going. At least you don't have you only have seven propositions on the ballot this time statewide. So it's not as big a, a climb and crawl. So how are you doing that? Um, yeah, we have make, we have to make a decision. We have to put our uh, ballot and multiple propositions and so many candidates. Then I'll say when I moved to Irvine and our quality of life was much different than today, then it was, yeah, I believe it, all the crime numbers and traffic and development plans were uh, much better than now. So, yeah, I'll, I'll suggest our uh, listeners to make a decision uh, based on what they have believed in. Um, for me, um, as a Simon Moon, as an Irvine mayor candidate, uh, I support the fiscal responsibility, then I will make sure to our Irvine safe. So I want to secure our uh, public safety. And also, I will fight for the lower taxes and well-being of our residents for, uh, from the old asphalt and other uh, issues in Great Park. I just want to bring all these um, 
stories, uh, bringing back to our city council and make a decision based on the uh, value that we can honor our residents' uh, quality of life and their decision, their voices. So it's a hard time to make a decision among these five candidates for the own mayoral seat. But see, you know, they, they know that what, what they have to do. Uh, just make a decision based on the value you believe, then based on the trust and based on what you believe. Then if you find something from the uh, candidates' uh, platform, um, that's the right person for you. That's what I can say. Well, I want to. I have to close. I'm so sorry. There's so much more to find out. I thank you for your time in uh, both for running for office and for your time in the interview today with us. Thank you so much for being on Ask a Leader, Reverend Moon. Oh, well, thank you very much. It was my great privilege to uh, speak to our listeners. Thank you so much. My guest was Simon Moon. He's a Irvine candidate for mayor of Irvine, and he is an U.S. Army Reserve chaplain. He's one of four candidates challenging the incumbent mayor. We'll return the brief segment with playwright Christina Hamm, bringing her play Nina Simone, Four Women, now running at the South Coast Rep in Costa Mesa. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I'd like to close this show with an important cultural offering. Bringing this is my guest is Christina Ham, bringing her play Nina Simone for Women, directed by Logan Vaughn. It continues to run through this Sunday evening, October twenty third. It's the opening of the South Coast Rep season on Arduro stage. Tell us. Where are, are are you coming from? Are you in Orange County or are you back at home? Well, I'm back at home in Los Angeles. In, back in L.A. Okay. So, you're, But I was there for the last month in Orange County for the rehearsal. Excellent. In person. Yes. And your play, it brings to veritable life Ms. Nina Simone, known for her jazz, folk, pop, and blues with all that famous classical technique in the context of your relationship with so many women from Birmingham 16th Street Baptist Church all the way to what is happening now. Please, Ms. Ham, talk about what the four women really mean and you're recrafting this play that you premiered in 2016. Um, well, the four women in the play represent uh, different aspects of the four women in Nina Simone's song, uh, Four Women, and it looks at black women from a variety of different corners of our existence. Um, obviously, we aren't a monolith. So on Sarah's character, uh, Sophronia, who is a biracial character through sexual violence, um, Sweet Things character, who's a sexually liberated woman, and, of course, Nina herself. Um, so using those women as an opportunity to bring them to life in a way that looks at Nina in a variety of different ways that these women also represent who Nina is in terms of black women and their experiences through the bombing of the church. 
um, as she's trying to create her song, Mississippi, Goddamn. And that is the title, um, and it's that's... We are allowed that as we, um, for the FCC requirements, with, with regulations, but we can say that. It's the title of the tune, that that's what it is. Well, and you you had so much in the recrafting, and that work is, the word's doing a lot of work because of events that have continued to build more momentum on bringing more people on board with civil rights. So that must have been an extraordinary process for you. Um, it was, I think, um, for me, because I am a writer and an artist, what was interesting to me about it was being able to tackle an artist shifting from just being an artist to becoming an artist and activist because of a tragedy that occurred and how that really changed the trajectory of her career forever. Yes. And just be, before we close this utterly short segment, some reactions when you were in Orange County with this play opening, some reactions from the audiences? I would find that the audiences were finding are really giving open arms to the play and are really excited that it's there, extremely moved by it, yes. extremely moved by the performances. And, you know, the the whole run has done extremely well for the theater. So they're they're very happy as well. Well, I between you and me and listeners and the artistic director there, this is the play I had hoped opened last season for all the obvious reasons. And um it was um there it was an, an a choice that I think pro- was problematic opening last season. So thank goodness that Nina Simone for Women is opening this season and can really set the tone, set the pace for what South Coast Rep aspires to do for not just Orange County, but for Southern California and beyond. I, I really hope so. I had a joy working with the theater and, and hope I get to come back and do something else. <laughs> okay. Well, I thank you for agreeing to to appear at such a short moment but uh, it was this is better than if we didn't even get to bring you up at all so thank you for the bringing the mantle of your artistic work to ask a leader today and good luck with the the wrapping i'm going to be there on sunday i cannot wait to see it awesome well we can't wait to have you thanks so much claudia okay thank you my guest was nina i'm sorry christina <laughs> My, well, she's bringing Nina with her. Miss Christina Hamm, yes. playwright for Nina Simone for Women. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, to that breathless segment. This is my wrap next week. Two gentlemen running for Irvine City Council, incumbent Larry Agron and Navid Sadiq. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Ain't got no perfume, ain't got no love, ain't got no faith.